0: welcome to around the league today we have a very very special episode for all of our fellow toronto raptor fans we're going to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the raptors winning their first ever championship but before we reminisce and walk down memory lane now i got one question for you what it do baby
1: (laughs) what it do twan not much, man. I'm uh, I'm in the doctor's office right now. Just finished a day of work, and super excited to reminisce on our championship that happened on June 13th. So just about a year ago.
0: Yeah, man. I can't believe it's been basically one full year since since that hectic week where you know they were on the verge of winning Game Five, then sealing it in uh, Oakland. Uh, it's crazy that it's been one full year, but. You know, before we get into into everything, how's, how's it going? How's everything with you now with, you know, uh, the store opening up, less uh, restrictions and whatnot? How's everything going on that end?
1: Uh, the reception's been pretty good. We're a lot busier than I thought we were going to be, knock on wood. But it's just kind of weird, you know, it's a family business, so a lot of our customers are, you know, customers that we've had for three, four, five years and longer, and It's crazy with all the plexiglass and PPE that we have in the shop, how distant we got to stay from people that, you know, we were giving handshakes to last year. And it's just kind of awkward. But I mean, everyone's super understanding. We've limited the amount of people that we can allow in the shop at one time. And, you know, everyone's been a team player. So can't complain, to be honest.
0: Like, what's the percentage of the people coming in that are wearing the mask and kind of following the rules on that?
1: I'd say ninety percent and nice. we just have signs all over the shop as soon as you enter I mean our guidelines are sort of laid out uh, we just yeah. asked we just ask that you wear a mask we ask that you keep physical distancing and we just ask that if you're experiencing any flu like symptoms that you just come back another time when those subside so I mean it's all it's all general it's all common sense to be honest you know um I've had no one sort of give me any attitude or um or act surprised that I was asking them to put on a mask it's just it is what it is I think people were shopping at grocery stores and stuff like that prior to this so they know the drill
0: true how was your um your dinner on Sunday you guys went to martinis right
1: yeah it was nice to be on a patio again strange dining experience you got the waitress and the hostess wearing a mask which you know which I thought was again it's common sense right it's just what we have to do but you know, anytime you got up from your seat and went to the bathroom, you had to put your mask on. When you walked into the building and walked to your table, you had to wear your mask on. So it was kind of eerie. But at the same time, it was really nice to sit on a patio, have a draft beer for the first time in in a few <laughs> months. Uh, yeah, can't complain.
0: True. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty nice uh, this week, too. So we should definitely try to get out to a patio with some of the guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. And even uh, even golfing with you guys on Sunday was a lot of fun, even though you took five bucks away from my bank account. <laughs> uh, we'll let it we'll let it slide.
0: No man, that was re- that was really fun. I definitely want to play a lot more this year. Try to get better better and just more confident in my game, just so that we can play like one on one instead of having to play teams, which I really enjoy too. But I want to get to the point where I can play. Decently enough where I can play uh, by myself and not play like best ball or whatever.
1: Yeah, man. But honestly, when thinking about this podcast and, you know, we were talking about putting it together, what really creeped me out was how how different life was a year ago from from then and now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we'd be, you know, up in Toronto at Justin's place and celebrating at Liberty, you know, everyone's. Excited and everyone's out on the patios, everyone's close in proximity and yeah, totally different from one year ago. But, you know, that's why we're here to reminisce, uh, here to da- uh, go down memory lane and uh, discuss everything that happened a year ago. Yeah, man, let's do it. All right. So, yeah, in today's episode, um, just thought we'd quickly do a brief of of the 2018-2019 season that uh, accumulated in the Raptors winning their first ever championship um, you know, again, after another disappointing playoff performance where the the number one seed Raptors, you know, lose to the Cavs um, in the second round, you know, a few things had to be changed up. And Masai, you know, made the tough decision to fire Dwayne Casey, who was named coach of the year, uh, replaced him with Nick Nurse, a first year head coach, and then, you know, had probably the trade of the decade Getting Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green for Demar and Jakob Pertl, so you know they as a team played really well in the regular season, and we we've seen that you know time time and time again. But uh, you know something was a little different this year. They were able to make a trade for Marcus in the in the regular season, uh, trading away Fravid and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. So, you know, what stands out for you just even in the in the regular season or even those moves that, that were made in the preseason uh, before everything happened in the playoffs?
1: Well, I think the most surprising thing was after the 2017 season, my mindset shifted from playoff contention to rebuilding. And very quickly, Masai shifted all of our focus from – Competing in the playoffs to now competing with the championship—the fact that we landed a top three NBA player for for who we who we gave up is just ridiculous—and you can't you can't forget about Danny Green. And then honestly, you know, I feel like uh, the entire season was kind of shaking off bad habits because we developed the habit of um, falling in love with our regular season and just assuming that uh, we were going to performed just as well in the playoffs in previous years and it always ended with disappoint disappointment but this time around you know Nick Nurse's coaching staff, Masai Ujiri, Kawhi Leonard with, with how they approached the season was far different from that. It wasn't so much about performing the best that you could in the regular season it was about the long game into the playoffs and I think they had that mentality internally but as a fan um, we we weren't able to see that because we didn't we couldn't fathom how far that that team believed they could go.
0: Yeah, there's there was just a different mentality to that team with uh with Kwai uh, leading the way even though he was you know load managing load managing uh for, you know, a quarter of the of the year where they went 17-5 with without him and ended up with a 58 win um regular season you, you knew that guys like Siakam, Fred VanVleet, and even OG were performing much higher than they, uh, that even us fans would expect, uh, you know, accumulating and even Siakam winning uh, uh, the MIP. So, yeah, just a different feeling to that team, even though um, Kawhi was, you know, out for some portion of that season. They, they played pretty well, but there were still some doubts really going into the playoffs, And I think the trade for Marcus All was huge. I think having him as an anchor on defense and then having him as another playmaker uh, for Lowry uh, to rely on was huge. So, you know, they had a great regular season and, you know, still some questions on how they perform in the playoffs. And, you know, with with the Raptors, this is probably the first year that they don't have to go through LeBron, but things still don't start off too well and we all know what happened in Game One with the uh, the matchup with the Orlando Magic. Dejounte Augustine comes into Scotiabank, scores 25 points, locks down Lowry with zero points, and we're like, man, deja vu all over again. But you know the Raptors um, were able to recover after that first game, win the next four, and really that Orlando Magic series is only remembered by that DJ Augustine performance. Do you th- remember anything else um, about that series at all?
1: Uh, no, I don't remember much about game four because I consumed a lot of alcohol after DJ Augustine lit us up. <laughs> and see, that's the thing, you know, this, this team really changed how I view uh, playoff series and how I, view, um, how I view the Raptors in general because they did a really good job of blocking out the noise. And there was so much noise after Game One because you could have asked any Raptor fan, including myself. We have all been down this before. You know, we have been down 0-2 when we should have been up 2-0, um, and so to see DJ Augustine do that, it, it was very. You know, it's something that I'd seen a few times over over the past few year, few years. But it was a very resilient team, and they did a really good job of blocking outside noise because there was a ton after that first game. And you know, they won four in a row after that, so um, they they quickly made us think otherwise.
0: Yeah, I think that was that was probably the best thing that could have happened to to Kyle um, in, in a weird sense, because even though he's played pretty well in the few uh, previous series. Um, In the last few years, he still has that reputation as being a choker and someone who doesn't perform at an all-star level um, during the playoffs. So, you know, having this kind of happen to him is, you know, bring flashbacks to to the two three years that the Raptors weren't able to perform well in the playoffs. And I think that was something that he was able to really or shrug off, and he was definitely the second best player for the Raptors throughout the throughout the playoff run and um, yeah, we're gonna be discussing his performance um, in the finals later, but uh, applauding him to uh, for being such a resilient player uh, to uh, you know in coming into the second Conference finals and in the finals. So let's go into the second round, you know, let's just quickly discuss what happened there probably the Raptors toughest matchup, I think just because of Philadelphia's length. Uh, and they win this series 4 three and the shiny moment in this whole thing is quiet with his infamous game seven buzzer beater. What else do you remember from the second round series with the 76ers?
1: Well, I just remember thinking about how this is the difference that a top three player in the NBA makes on your team. Um, We have had really good players on the Raptors before, but they haven't been able to get us over that hump. And get us over that hump means literally take over one or two basketball games when your entire team is playing flat. And as you mentioned it, Philadelphia's length was very problematic for our point guards, especially Lowry and Van Fleet because they're so small compared to other point guards in the league. So they were having nightmare matchups. And Fred Van Fleet definitely had a very challenging playoff performance in that series. He had an awful playoff performance in that series. I don't think he went double digits for any game out of those seven. So that series is pretty much uh, summed up by the Kawhi effect. You know, he was literally carrying our team on, on his shoulders and even came up in the final seconds when we needed him most.
0: Yeah, man, that that was such a tough matchup for them. Uh like again cuz you said with with the length and Jimmy Butler being such a such a bully and having, you know, the size of Ben Simmons and Embiid was definitely the toughest matchup for for the Raptors and just that was a poor matchup for them and but, you know, luckily we were able to prevail uh in that series and um I think from there they they really got the confidence to start, you know, playing their game. And even though in the conference finals against the Bucks, they're down 2-0, I think this team showed um, that re- just that championship mentality where, you know, you're, if you lose the first two games away, you still have a chance to tie it up with two games at home. And that's what they did. They were able to win uh, game three in overtime and really have a massive performance in the next three games where they were able to steal one in Milwaukee and then eventually go on that I believe twenty three to three run in game six to to seal it out. So anything else uh, from that series that you remember or that uh, stuck stuck in your mind there?
1: No, again, like this this series was also influential in shifting my mindset on how I approach playoff series, especially this one because I remember driving to the airport on the way to Dayon's Bachelor party. And we were watching the game. We were watching game one, and Lowry played out of his mind on the road. He scored about, I think, 29 or 30 points, and they lost. And I remember waiting in the ticket line and talking to, I forget who, but saying, you know, this was Lowry's best game, and we're not going to get another one like this. And he gave it his all, and we weren't able to get a win. This is going to be a tough series. Fast forward to game two, they lose again, and I believe they get blown out. And so to. To go into Game Three down 0-2 in Toronto against the number one team in the conference, you know I, I honestly didn't think they had a shot in hell, but you know they proved us wrong. And co- again, they blocked out they blocked out the all the background noise from the media outlets and fans and whatever. And that was such a rush to see them come back in in sealing in six.
0: Yeah, that Game Five was. Probably the most memorable game, memorable game outside of Game Six in the Finals, just because that was like the the game that swung everything into the Raptors' favor. Because had they lost that game, they'd have to win in Scotiabank and then come back for Game Seven uh, at the Pfizer Center. So again, that, that's a Game Five where Fred goes off. I think he scores seven three, and just hits huge bucket, you know, one after the other. And this is shortly after he um, has his uh, first kid. So, you know, that was that's a running joke that, you know, Fred Jr. was uh, the MVP of that series for the Raptors.
1: Yeah, for sure. The other thing I wanted to say was, you know, what was their response to the O2 deficit? It was Nick Nurse making one of the most crucial adjustments that, sh- that literally swung the whole series and putting Kawhi on Giannis. You know they they didn't settle. They they kept tinkering and figuring out things that they could do to uh, at least get a game. And then they just went game after game. I know it sounds cliche, but they honestly just took it one game at a time and uh, did such a good job of sticking to their adjustment and game plan.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because at that um, by that time Siakam was having a lot of trouble with um, Giannis's length and his his strength within the post and. Again, Giannis is a great facilitator for that team, and everything's centraled and centered around him. So, being able to put arguably the best defensive player um, in sorry in uh, Leonard to to defend him was a genius move, and another you know an, another checkmark for for Nick Nurse and his you know genius offensive and defensive ability to to put the right personnel uh, for for the defensive schemes. So now, you know, finally, with the two-time defending championship or champions in gold, the Golden State Warriors, uh, there are, you know, without Kevin Durant, who got hurt in the, uh, the, pl- the earlier rounds of the playoffs. And, you know, the Raptors come into Oracle game one Siakam has a huge, huge 30-point outburst in game one, which I think relieves a bit of the the pressure of, of playing in the playoffs for him, but also for Lowry, for Fred Van Vliet, and for some of the young guys. And they all come out playing really well this entire series. Um, and, you know, I think the Raptors themselves played extremely well in every game they were you know I think they had the lead in every game going to the fourth except game six and you know they they were able to win 4-2 um, what are your thoughts on you know some of the remaining games that that happened in in the entire series well you said
1: it earlier you know the play of Siakam and the, and the rest of the team in the first two games uh, relieved a lot of pressure off them but it also relieved a lot of pressure as on us, I mean, on, on myself as a fan, because I went into the mentality with I was just happy to be there, and you know you could you could chalk this up as a very successful season, and they went in it with a completely different mindset. They knew they had a chance to win, and after that first game, I honestly didn't really have a doubt that we that we weren't going to win, and I thought it might have been six or seven, which it was, but. You know, we didn't think Kevin Durant was going to come back and he did and went off and then got injured. But other than that, you know, I wasn't too nervous about closing this one out.
0: Yeah, I think right off the bat after game one, um, I was pretty confident that um, they were able to compete for a championship here. Uh, Fred started, uh, started playing really well. I think matching Curry up with them definitely helps because Curry, again, isn't a very strong defender and yeah, Fred Rivoli was just able to make huge buckets especially in game 6 where he had I think 3 big time 3's in the 4th quarter uh, down the stretch there and let's not forget Lowry's uh, first 11 points in that decisive game and really making a strong push for that team and kind of coming out uh, coming out there and playing extremely well with with uh, Leonard still you know still showing signs of fatigue I know he was hurt uh, in the previous series and I don't think he obviously won finals MVP but he wasn't playing at that level he was against the Bucks and against the 76ers yeah
1: 100 percent and I know my previous comment, I made it sound like I was super confident in the team the whole time. Not true. I was freaking, <laughs> I was freaking out when they were down, and obviously I was super stoked when they were up, but uh, to go on to the play of Lowry and Fred Van Fleet, I think, you know, I have a few takeaways on game six, and one is definitely Kyle Lowry getting absolutely shat on after game one against Orlando, and honestly taking that criticism throughout all of his years in Toronto. Because there were so many playoff disappointments. And Lowry was always a scapegoat along with DeMar DeRozan. And to see him rise up in that game and literally start us off on the run that he did, it flipped the narrative of his career. 180. His career, his career outlook and the way people are going to remember him literally changed that night. And uh, it's so funny. That guy literally um, turned himself into... You know, someone that people were, you know, again saying was a choke artist in the playoffs. To our hero, Lowry, honestly became our hero after that game. Yeah, and who, then
0: who would have who would have thought that when Brian Colangelo brought in Kyle Lowry for I believe it was the 13th pick, um, that that eventually went to OKC and that became Steven Adams, that he would become a six-time All Star uh you know the leader for this Raptors team and eventually a champion uh, bringing a championship to, to Toronto and you know I wouldn't be surprised if you know in a few years when he's retired and everything settles down that you know there's a statue of a a, a dude with a big ass right in front of the <laughs> Scotiabank Arena man like he's he's probably going to get his number retired he potentially could be a hall of famer and most likely will have a statue of him outside of the of the arena one day so it's that trade itself was super underrated he was man at the time he was competing against jose calderon for the starting position and he was he was coming off the bench until they eventually traded uh jose away um in that deal for i forget who it was for but yeah when he was traded traded away and then it was officially lowry's and demar's team so yeah, man, we've come a long way in the seven, eight years when before we before we got uh, Kyle Lowry, and you know we can say now that he's a champion and he was able to bring um, a championship to the city of Toronto. Yeah,
1: man, definitely. And th- the other the other takeaway I have is, you know, Game Six, Kawhi was definitely showing signs of fatigue, breaking down because he literally put us on his shoulders for the entire first three rounds of that playoff series, taking us to the finals to see the entire team piece together a game. The way that they did was incredible. You know, we just talked about Lowry's start. He finished with 26, 10 and seven, almost a triple double Fred van fleet. If you watch the videos becomes unconscious and the shots that he is missing are all in and out. And there were, a lot of them were over DeMarcus cousins, which is just (laughs) insane. Um, Pascal Siakam, 26-10 and 10. Kawhi did his own you know, did his little 22-6 and six, uh, which is still a very impressive game but he was doing a lot more in previous games and series mm-hmm. and then even Serge Ibaka with 15 so everyone came and, and produced and it was such a beautiful thing to see because as a team we hadn't really pieced together a comprehensive game like that all playoff series it was always one or two guys if not, sometimes just one. But five guys in double digits. Yeah, that's huge. And and everyone had their own little burst. So Kyle Kyle Lowry's uh, scoring burst was in the beginning. Siakam's was shortly after. Then Kawhi gets hot. Fred Van Fleet is towards you know the second, third, and fourth quarter. Just draining threes. And uh, it was just so cool to see everyone sort of have their moment in that game.
0: Yeah, and with all the playoff anguish all the disappointment um, to see them finally win the championship and even now following through into this season where they're playing at such an amazing level it's 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 you can you can see how it changes a player and changes a team when they're able to get get over that hump and now you see that this team feels like they're unstoppable um, and I'm 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 excited, even though it's not um, relevant to last year and the championship year. It's just really exciting to see what this team does in the Disney World or Disneyland bubble, and when this uh, season resumes, I want to see you know how they how they perform at the, uh, in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think the one thing Kawhi left behind was his mindset, because all that resiliency, all that take it one game at a time, that was all him, and. We've had, again, really good players come out of the Raptors before, but their leadership didn't leave a lasting effect. You know, and I think Kawhi's approach to the game changed not only the perspective of the players, it changed the perspective of the coaches. I think that him and Nick Nurse were very much aligned in how they approached each of these games and tuning out everything around them. And it it changed the mindset of, of the fans, too. You know, it's not over until it's over, is sort of what I gathered.
0: Yeah, that they showed that mindset throughout the throughout the playoffs. They they were never too high on any win, even when they won uh, game four um, in in Oakland. Uh, they they didn't celebrate. They just went to the locker room, and you know it was something that had to be done. And you didn't see any emotion from Kawhi until uh, the final buzzer when Steph Curry missed the three quarter uh, shot um to to end that game and then you finally saw the emotion where he right he raises his hands he's um you know and him and kyle are in jubilation and they they're they're all celebrating so that's when you finally see some emotion from from that guy so man, what a yeah just a credible championship and championship celebration uh what you know what do you find Uh, most memorable and what is the fondest memory from just the post-celebration, post-championship celebration uh, of that win. To be
1: honest, giving that some thought, like driving up to the city from Kitchener-Waterloo was pretty energizing. The closer you got to the GTA, the closer you got to Toronto, the the signs on the street changed, the billboards changed, flags on street signs. Walk into any restaurant, you see Kawhine and Dine on the, on the <laughs> front of the door. Everyone was all in, whether you're a casual fan or a diehard. Everyone was all in. And I think the biggest, the coolest thing that I'll always remember is being outside after that game and seeing two or three million people on the streets celebrating. And to see how unified everyone was that night, on the subway, on the streets, whether you were, um, whether you didn't really care about the Raptors or you loved them, you know, everyone was pumped up. And contrast that to how things are today. And to see a city unified, to see a country unified, I thought that was pretty uh, pretty epic. And, you know, you saw cops on the streets and they were just as excited. They weren't giving tickets. Everyone was partying on the streets. They were just sort of, you know, celebrating with us and to see how things have come over the past year. You know, it really makes you appreciate that unity that that sports can bring, to be honest.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the, the broadcast did a really good job of showing all of those little uh, viewing parties all around the country. I think they said there was like 50, 50 unofficial viewing parties, you know, from BC all the way to, uh, to like Nova Scotia. And we had, you know, ones in Kitchener, waterloo I know they had big ones in Mississauga and Brampton, obviously uh, Jurassic Park in Toronto. And that was really cool to see all, everyone just come together, enjoying um, great basketball from, from their favorite team. And then eventually having a championship, uh, the first championship in Toronto since, uh the blue jays repeated in the early 90s so you know we were too young to really experience that so this is our really first championship that we were able to celebrate and really to just live and uh create memories from
1: yeah man that that championship celebration was special and you know i'm sure everyone listening (laughs) is is uh local or um has seen it all before but look at some of that footage millions of people on the street streets are closed People are just going wild.
0: Yeah, and you know, we can also reminisce about the championship parade that, you know, you, myself, Judy, and Stefan uh, went down to Toronto to, I believe it was Nathan Phillips Square, and that was crazy. Like, we went pretty early too, and we were in the middle of the pack, but it was just wild. Everything was, everyone's ramming into each other. Um, we actually had to leave. Our, our spot just because we were standing there for like five hours and nothing was happening because the parade uh, or the the bus didn't get there till like three, four hours after the scheduled time. So we had to leave that spot and it was crazy to see the energy there where everyone was super excited to you know see the players be presented with the trophy and everyone coming up and kind of just giving their thoughts on how, how that championship run went so you know what do you remember most about that about that parade and everything that went down
1: yeah so a couple things you know I remember that it was supposed to take them three hours to get from Scotiabank Centre to Nathan Phillips Square and it took them six and a half <laughs> and there were easily over two three million people outside of downtown Toronto trying to get a view of that bus um, I remember being so uncomfortable in Nathan Phillips Square because we were shoulder to shoulder. It was extremely hot. People were passing out. And shout out to Jagmeet Singh for one of (laughs) probably the most, one of the funniest experiences that I've experienced. Um, So if you don't know, Jagmeet Singh is a politician in Canada, uh, leader of the NDP party. And someone that we were standing beside had passed out. Like they fainted unconscious because they were so dehydrated from, uh, you know, not having enough liquids, but also just being shoulder to shoulder to so many people. So this politician walks up the stairs, Jagmeet Singh, and we see him. So people like thousands of people are screaming at him, you know, help, 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 call an ambulance, call a paramedic. And I think he was in the middle of his political campaign at the time. So he focuses his attention to the group. But I think he thought that people were cheering him on or really happy to see him. So he starts waving. He turns his back to us, starts taking a selfie so that, uh, so that he can post it on Twitter. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're trying to save this guy's life. Uh, bit, of a clown, bit of a clown experience, but uh, yeah, found that really funny. I'll always remember that, that one.
0: That, that was hilarious, now, That That's my only experience encounter with encounter with him and that's the only memory I have with him so whenever he's on TV or whenever there's any news uh, around him that's the only thing I could think about so uh, that that was a hilarious experience and uh, that's the one thing that I'll remember as well from the championship parade.
1: Yeah I mean if I could have done it over again I probably would have tried to post up on the street because so many people got a better glimpse of the Raptors on their bus on the street where we waited six and a half hours and barely saw them and then had to run for our lives because there was a shooting about, you know, hundred yards away from us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That, that, that wasn't, um, something that 90% of the people at the parade noticed because we were at the very back, uh, by the time the Raptors actually got to, to Nathan Phillips square. And that was a, really really wild experience as well just seeing everyone kind of disperse into into different directions and not knowing what's happening and losing you guys in the crowd and then having to regroup like half an hour later being like yo what happened like where is everyone is everyone safe and then 90% of the the crowd not even noticing that that's anything that's happening uh in the back there so that was that was a little crazy uh nothing obviously Major happened, but pretty scary to to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, and if if those of you who are listening have no idea what we're talking about, and you're like, "Why are these guys talking about a shooting at a raptor parade? Are you crazy?" No, it actually happened, and you can Google an aerial cam footage of the shooting that took place at the back of the parade, and you will literally see tens, if not twenty, thirty thousand people running. From their initial from their initial location because uh, people were freaking out, they thought there was some sort of attack
0: yeah well let's not uh you know relive that, but is there anything else that um, that you want to bring up or that you uh, want to celebrate throughout this season or you know we we all experienced you know the best season and playoffs that we could ever imagine. Um, You know, Kawhi eventually did leave for the Clippers. And I don't think everyone was mad about that. You know, he came in, he gave us the ultimate prize. And you know, he will be um, considered a hero in Toronto whenever he comes back. Uh, And that's the only, you know, shitty part about the, the post championship celebration it was we weren't able to re-sign him and rerun this and give it a, another opportunity with with him as the main guy but you know we're still in contention I think you know we're being a little bit underrated now just because you know the the, the media really doesn't consider us a contender if we don't have you know that top five top ten player but we have you know a solid five Strong bench, probably a top two, three coach in the league, the best general manager um, in the game. And, you know, we got eight games to warm up and then it's the playoffs.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, what resonates, what I love about uh, this this post-championship feeling is that the more I think about it, the better and better it gets. And, you know, we witnessed something that a lot of people won't see in their lifetime. You know a lot of organizations may not ever see and the fact that we did it is wild and what a time you know that was an amazing summer such a roller coaster throughout that entire playoff season and now you can't take it away from any raptor fan you know we're champions and it's a life-changing experience tuan
0: yeah exactly man who knows we maybe uh in october we could be celebrating another championship and no one should, you know, put that possibility away because, you know, we are the defending champs. We have the third best team in the in the NBA right now and we're all rested up. Guys are coming back from injury. It's going to be good to see Gasol uh, come back, Powell come back from a strong regular season and maybe we will be able to celebrate again in October. So, you know, let's fingers crossed and let's hope for the best.
1: Yeah, and I believe that in light of everything that happened last season, I'm not going to get too high, I'm not going to get too low. And we're, we put ourselves in an amazing position for this following season. And I honestly believe that we have a resilient group, and they've showed that all regular season. So, yeah, I think it'll be a fun ride.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks for your time, Nav. It was great reminiscing and you know going down memory lane. And let's let's hope that we can do one of these uh sometime in the next few years or even this year, right? Absolutely. All right, well thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully, you know, this brought back some fond memories for you guys as we, you know, celebrated this this championship and um appreciate all your support. All right, take care, Twan. See all right, you guys, take care, man. Bye.